Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all in good spirits on this wonderful Father's Day. I've been looking forward to bringing this particular message, and I have to say that I preached it before, but I actually preached it. It was at a kind of a men's meeting, and when I'd given the message, I think it was Derek Fawcett, he said, Dan, Dan, the church needs to hear this. I've adapted it a bit because I think it's very appropriate for Father's Day. Well, I didn't see the football, so I didn't know what the result was. You know, but from the looks on people's faces this morning, it's obvious that England didn't do as well as we expected. Obviously, we need to pray for them. <laughs> they need help. All right, then. Let's kind of get into this message this morning. And I find that, as I said, I need glasses now, now that I've attained to 55 years of age. I know I look good, but God is good too. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to look at... The, the, the message is the power of affirmation. Affirmation, the pronouncement that we approve and believe in someone is a powerful thing, especially when it comes from someone that you respect. In this session here, we're going to consider the power of affirmation in three areas. The Godhead, the family, and the church. And of course, I'm going to make some inference, particularly to us who are fathers in this role. So, we as fathers indeed have an important role to play in the process of affirmation, especially in our family and in our community. And by the way, when we use the word here, community, I avoid using the word church, but when I use community, I mean the church, yes? So let's consider these three areas, and let's go through this now. And then at the end, I've got something we're going to do together, which I think will be a blessing to all of us. So here we go. Right, the Godhead. Let's go to Matthew 3, 13 to 17. This is the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love and with whom I am. Well pleased. Now, you know, some of our medieval artists have contemporized Jesus with, you know, done pictures of Jesus with the dove, as it were, above his head with the ring. And of course, everywhere Jesus went, you could see the dove, so you knew that this was Jesus. Well, you know, it's not true. (laughs) It was only at that moment. But here's some points. What I love is this you know, God. He comes to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And at his baptism, it's like the whole trinity turns up. Oh, it's my boy down there. Oh, I've got to go. So the father breaks in on the baptism. Of course, how can the father break in and not the Holy Spirit not be there too? So they all come. And it's like the father can't wait to affirm his affection and attention on his beloved son. We also read in John 17 through your father about the son glorifying the father. 
Because within the Godhead, there is this affirmation of each other. So we read in John 17, 3 to 5. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Let me just stop there, friends. Lisa Guinness in her book, uh, Journey of Grace, says this. Satan steals God of, our, of his glory by stealing our glory, by robbing us of our glory. And what Jesus did as he walked as a man in his humanity, he, because he lived the life that God intended us to live before the fall, his life glorified the Father. Part of the redemptive act of Jesus on the cross is to bring us back into that place so that by the power of God's spirit, as the works of darkness are being revealed in our lives and removed and replaced, we begin to glorify the Father by living out the life that God intended us to live. You see? So the process of sanctification, as the Holy Spirit comes and deals with your stuff, and as you begin to Walk into what God has called you to be and to do so that brings glory to the Father in the same way that Jesus brought glory to the Father by walking out the plan and purpose that God had set for him before the foundation of the earth. Take a breath. (laughs) Does that make sense? Good. Back to the text. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So, While Jesus is walking in the earth and as he is living out the destiny that God had planned for him before the foundation of the earth, so that was glorifying the Father. But we also read in John 16, 13, 14, the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what it is what is yet to come. He will glorify me. It is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So within the Godhead, there's this mutuality of affirmation with the Father affirming the Son and the Holy Spirit affirming the Son. Now, this good theology there. Now, what is God's plan for us as mothers and fathers here? And if you're not mother and father, Maybe you will be at some point. That wasn't a prophetic word. (laughs) Well, whilst our mothers cared for us and provide nurture, our fathers provide the scaffolding of three things, because I want to talk to fathers this morning. What we provide is discipline, advocacy, and relationship. Discipline, advocacy, and relationship, so that we can develop, as individuals, the objectivity, the inner strength, the will, the conscience, the sense and knowledge to gradually take our place in the world. And if you want to know more about this, come to Restore. Yes, I thought I'd get it in, wouldn't I? <laughs> so come to Restore, and we'll unpack it for you. However, let me just say this. Some of us have had fathers, and earthly fathers, and we've not received those things. Some of us, we don't even know who our fathers are. But the role of a father 
in our society, we, we don't talk about what the role of the father is other than just to produce the child. But the discipline that we, we see and we receive from them, we internalize. If you don't internalize it, then you have to get it from other source. Now, I was blessed. I, have, you know, my, I was with my dad tomorrow, yesterday. He's about 77 now. My mum's 80 this year. We'll be celebrating that. And it's always fun when I go there. My dad was very strict. So we had discipline. But reality is, I never internalized that. I actually got it from another source. When I did athletics, and I had a coach called John Sullivan, I was only about 13, 14 at the time, I started to go to the track on a regular basis. So while other people were running all over the place, I was going to train two to three days a week, and I loved it. And it gave me a discipline. So later on, I went to become a Middlesex champion, et cetera, et cetera. But the important thing was that it gave me a discipline. It gave me, I internalized that, and I still use that discipline and focus today. The stamina that it gave me, it means that sometimes if I have to work through the night, I can do it. I need some help. Some energy drinks do help. <laughs> yeah. But if I have to push it, but it's the discipline that I got there. Advocacy. I'll never forget, time for confession, but when I was growing up, there was, I had a fight with this boy. I know it's hard to believe that I would fight with people, but yes, I confess to it. And I punched this boy called Glenn in his stomach. And he told this boy called Robbie, Robbie Banerjee. And Robbie Banerjee, he used to wear monkey boots. Now, you know what monkey boots were? Some of you know what they are. Like they're like, no, they don't call them bobber boots, but, you know, airwear. Anyway, word got out. Robbie Banerjee was looking for me. And... <laughs> And I, and I remember it. We lived in Florence Road, and Marcus Road was like directly ahead. And I saw Robbie Banerjee coming for me, and it was like one of those duh, duh, duh moments. I tell you, I, I was running faster than Linford Christie. I was legging it. <laughs> dad, Dad, Robbie Banerjee's going to get me. And my dad, who's quite short, man, but he's, you know, well built, he just came out the house in his slippers and walked down the road like the Incredible Hulk. Where is this Roger, Robert, Robbie Banerjee? And it, Robbie Banerjee, you saw my dad and just turned around and took off. He, I'm in there like, yes! That's my dad, right? He's my advocate. You know, if my, my mum was saying to me that if anybody said anything at school about any of the kids, my dad was up there. What is this that you're telling me about my son? And I always remember my dad would say, they would tell my dad about me. And my dad would say, yes, I know that. He's my son. Now what's wrong? Because <laughs> <laughs> he said, what are you telling me about my son? He's my son. I know him. Now what's wrong? <laughs> I mean, uh, there is a kind of a flip side. The last thing I wanted was someone to send a letter home to my dad. <laughs> du, 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 in big trouble. See, because my mum and dad came over here with the, the normal Jamaican kind of five-year plan. They were going to come here for five years and then make some money and go back to Jamaica. But instead, as my dad said, he met my mother and they made four children in, you know, six years. So in the end, they decided to focus on bringing their children up, not going back to Jamaica. So the children on the, was, became the focus. Now, I'm talking about advocacy. My dad was my advocate. He was there for me. And then the other thing is about relationships. And the relationship in terms of how we relate to the world, and you watch your father models that, and you look at that. Anyway, 
What is it that many of us are longing to hear in adult life that we may have never heard from a father whilst growing up? The word of ownership, favor, and pride in us as his child. That's my son. That's my boy. That's my daughter. Now, the ladies who, my, my accountant, uh, his wife, she's a professor of education. She's Afro-Caribbean, one of the very few. And she said to me, you know, Dad, then, I heard my dad bigging me up with his friends, but you know what I really want to hear? My dad just say that he's proud of me. I think he got it. Well, here's the point. If Jesus needed to be publicly blessed at the start of his ministry as a son, and not for his achievements, but for who he, who he is, how much more do we need to hear that? How much more do we need to hear it? And you know, some of the drivenness in us men, where we will spend hours at work and we will do it all for the family, only to get home and find that the family have gone. The drivenness, many times, it's to do with affirmation. We want to hear it from a father we never got it from. So you'll see people who've achieved academically. you see people who've achieved in terms of their career. But what actually happens in the end is that they lose the very things that, yes, are important to them, but they thought they were doing it for. But all they really wanted to hear was that, well done who they are, not for what they've done. You know, we're going to do, and I'm signposting it for you, at the end of the service, we're going to do something a bit special for all of us, because there's a deep need in all of us as men and women to hear that affirmation that comes from the ultimate father. Okay, let's look at it in the next area. The family, Ephesians 5, 25, 26, and 33. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And in verse 33, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Some points for us here. First thing, we must learn to praise, not to perfect. I'll say it again. We must learn to praise, not to perfect. If you're of the disposition that anytime you see something wrong, you want to correct it, then you must resist it. <laughs> and the longer you've been married, the more difficult it gets. We have a tendency to want to correct. We, we, we think that the way to make people perfect is, you need to do this better. Or, uh, you know, my report card basically said, could do better. <laughs> and my dad would be saying the same to me. You could do better than this. <laughs> yeah, so, and then he'd give me the whole speech. Now, if you're not Asian or you're not 
Afro-Caribbean. I'm sure the Caucasian people had it, but we used to get the speech all the time. If we had the opportunity that you had, some of, yes, finish it for me. <laughs> Do you think that we would be fooling around at school? Yeah. Oh, so obviously it wasn't just the Caucasian, it wasn't just the Afro-Caribbean community that said it. Yeah. So there was always this trying to perfect you by reminding you either that, in my case, as my dad would say to you, you are black. And I said, dad, it's not my fault. <laughs> I said, what's that got to do with it? And if when you go out there, I said, look, dad, just hold it, just hold it. There has to be a higher reason for me to do better, better than the, my ethnicity, which I had nothing to do with. It was your fault, not mine. <laughs> yeah. You need to understand I couldn't talk to my dad like that. Those of you from my generation, you just nod your head. <laughs> right? The thing is this, that we, we, you'll never change people by just trying to perfect them. You need to, as the song says, accentuate the positive. Yes, of course there's time when you need to, to, to bring correction, but you can do it in the right way. We call it in teaching, meddling, and missioning. You meddle, you praise what's done well, and then you talk about the things you could do to make it better if you want to go higher. Okay, next point here. Look for ways, as I said, to accentuate the positive in each other, in your spouse. And I have to be careful here. But, you know, gentlemen, all I would say to you, if you want good intimacy, don't just talk to them when you want it. Hello? Are you hearing me? Remember, this, you see, this has got to go out across many places, so I don't want to use the, the word, but I'm trying to do it in a way that is, is, is respectful. <laughs> yeah? Talk to them at other times. Not just at that time. I'll move on quickly. <laughs> Look to edify. <laughs> that is seeing the best and resist the temptation to fix things, fix things when they tell you their stuff. Have you heard, you know, you, that's men, you know, it's not just men, I notice it with women too. You, you tell them about what happened today, and, they wanna, and your husband wants to fix it. And you, you can see the look on the face, the in, look of incredulity generally on wife's face. Was I out looking for an answer? <laughs> I'm just telling you. I know Eileen tends to, you know, I'll say something to Eileen and she'll go, blah, 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 blah. And I'm resisting the temptation to think, like I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah? And there are people like that, you know, well, why don't they just do ABC? And you're doing your best to say, well, particularly for a pastor, you know, people, you, you might share a few things with people and people just come up with an instant answer. Well, actually, the reality is people have generally thought of that already and it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah. So, just resist that. Sometimes all we need to do is listen. We don't have to actually give an answer. You want to be listened to? You see, she's saying, yes, I just want to be listened to. Yes. Bless your heart. So, let's just think about this. That's obviously when we're looking at you know, husband and wife. But what about our kids? Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids, your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We have the privilege on this Father's Day to be fathers, those of us who are. We have a responsibility to bring up our children in a positive, affirming environment. 
They need to hear not the words you could do better. They need to be affirmed for who they are, not for how they perform. What are the kind of words? I say not our kids. I think we all need to hear these words. It's one I kind of use a lot with my own kids. Proud of you. Not because, just proud of you. Here's another one. I love you. Thank you. Usually a hard one for parents, but we need to get better at it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Here's a powerful one. I believe in you. You can do it. Those kind of words build into your children this idea that they can actually achieve, that there's nothing. And particularly as dads, we have a responsibility to, particularly those of us who know and love Jesus, to pray and to watch and to see what our kids are doing so that we can detect those areas where they are gifted or talented and encourage them in it. And for a time, Stephen, when he was about 13, 14, he got into golf, which is not a cheap sport. Lynn will tell you this. She has the electric buggy now. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't mean the one you sit in, electric buggy for your bag <laughs> to carry your golf clubs along. She doesn't have to carry on her bag now. She's... <laughs> now, the thing is that... It, and when my son is obsessive and I'm a little bit like that so he was up that golf course and we bought him some clubs and I would go around there I never I don't play golf and I didn't for a reason because it because everybody knew Stephen and I was just his dad who carried his back yeah I'd learned that from Rachel you know you you don't have to be in competition with your kids when you go there just support them so who are you I'm Stephen's dad it's all right oh he's a good little player Stephen yes that's right so it's all about him he needs to have his own arena I learned that actually from Chris Lane when Rachel was growing up, he says, you know, Rachel, I said, oh, you know, what's going on? Chris said, look, man, she needs her own space. Take her to Burn. So she would go to Burn, and that was her space. And I would go back, and that meant I had to come back and forth from Dunstable, but it was worth it. Yeah, so you look to see what they're gifted in and support them in it. Now, it may not come to anything, but it doesn't matter. You don't live your dream through them. You help them to find out what their dream is or what the thing is that they want to do and support them in it. Yeah? These are affirming words that will build up them up on the basis of who they are, not on what they've achieved. So finally, let's look at the church. Ephesians 4, 29-32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for what? Building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. Friends, we need to look for ways to affirm people for what they do. We want a culture here in this community of God's people where we are looking out to encourage and build and edify one another. Let people know that they're good about things now 
And I always say this, don't wait until people have gone to the next life to tell them they're good about things. You know, we're standing at the grave and they're saying, he was such a good soul, you know, and he's such a generous man. Well, it don't mean a lot to him now, he's in the box. <laughs> you know, and we have a kind of an English thing, you know, we don't want to make their heads too big, you know, so we won't tell them too much. Now, look, it's wrong. God loves you, and well, I'm going to come to it in a minute. He, when he speaks about you, he doesn't hold back. He just, oh, I don't think I'll just say too much about the fact that I love my people. I don't really want them to get too big-headed. No, he doesn't do stuff like that. He, he's, he's generous. He uses words that bless us, that encourage us, that lift us up. So, we need to be positive, and we need to, you know, if someone is good at something, let's affirm them in it. Let's not wait until we go to their funeral, and they've gone to the next life, and then we're in the eulogy, we're saying all the wonderful things about them that would have blessed the person if they were doing alive. Let's do it in this life, so the person can reach their full potential, not the next life. Demonstrate kindness. You know, here we are, you know, we're in the 21st century. And the simple things you can do to bless your family. If you're a husband, if, you know, father and you've got kids and they've got a mobile phone and you've got one, you know what you can do? You can just send a text. I, I did it, well, I still do it. You know, all through university, I would just send a text to Rachel or to Steve, proud of you. That's all. Nothing proud of you because you are going to the university. Now, my mom and dad, they come from a generation where, you know, the certificate is everything, you know, you need the piece of paper to open the door, blah, 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 blah. But leaving that aside, right, you need to be proud of your kids because of who they are. People say to me, oh, you know, Rachel's a teacher. I said, look, yes, that's nice, but I'm proud of her because she's my daughter and Stephen is my son. That's first. The fact that they may have achieved other things, yes, that's nice. But first and foremost, they're my kids, and I love them. And God's the same about you. He doesn't love you on the basis of your performance. He loves you on the basis of the fact that he sent his son for you, who died on a cross for you, who made an open show of princes of palaces and powers for you, and rose from the dead, and sits at the right hand of the Father on high, having made purifications for your sin and my sin once for all, and he loves you on the basis of what Jesus has done, and now because of what he has done, you can come into his presence and call him Father and have a relationship with him, and he loves you every second and every moment of every day because he's your Father. Amen. Yay! Yay! And that needs to go from our head to our heart because when it gets into our hearts, it will change the way that we are with him and with each other. So then, we need to be intentional in the way that we affirm people. Come, to me, come with me to Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as is the habit of, of uh, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Be intentional about affirming each other, because this creates that same mutuality that we see in the Godhead. God calls us to what? Spur one another on in good deeds and, and live out the words of affirmation that God speaks over us. God calls us fathers to speak words of affirmation to our wives, to our children, 
and to each other. God calls us to speak words of affirmation to all those who are seeking and searching for Jesus. You know, when you are in the community, your words have power. Now, obviously, I'm a chaplain out there, and, you know, let me just say this by way of parenthesis. I was doing this, I speaking words of affirmation and blessing people before I got the badge chaplain. So it wasn't anything new to me. Because some people said, well, you did that because you're a chaplain. I said, no, I was doing it anyway. (laughs) Right? So wherever God has put you in terms of job or in terms of where you live, you have words of life. I bump into the lady across the road. I look at her. I see something's wrong. I talk with her. I find out that she and her husband, he's disappeared, run off with someone else. I see the angst in her face. I see the tears in her eyes. I see the sense of loss. And that's a moment where I can speak a word of encouragement to her. Just to lift her up. Even It may not even be a word. It could just be a hug. Just enough to say that someone cares. God puts you in a place where you can speak words of affirmation and affirm that person and lift them up. I always remember a guy called John on our street. I had to come back from college. It was a good few years ago. And I'm walking towards him and I said, John, what's wrong? And he just broke down. I said, what's happened? Well, he said, oh, the girl that I was living with, she just left me. And he was absolutely distraught. So just prayed for him there and then went on, went on my way. You know, later on, he found a new girl and have a baby together and they're very happy. But you see, God puts you in places and all you need to be is available. Our words of affirmation have the power to lift the downcast and even the guilty. Chris, our pastor here, gave us this word from Job 22, 27, 30. Listen to this. This is the power that you have with the words that you have. You will pray to him and he will hear you and you will fulfill your vows. When you decide it will be done and the light will shine and the light will shine on your ways. And here it is. When people are brought low and you say, lift them up, then he will save the downcast. So in other words, when you, as God's advocate, speak a word to someone is in the pit to lift them up, because of who you are, God will hear you. He will deliver even one who is not innocent, who will be delivered through the cleanliness of your hands. Friends, we have power. So let's, let's look for every opportunity to be affirming fathers. And not just fathers, but affirming mothers who speak words that produce life and hope in our homes, in our churches, in our places of work. Now, you know, as I was preparing this, I felt the Lord just say to me, I want you to speak the Father's blessing over the people. Particularly, I'm going to do both, and I said, well, Father, we've got fathers here, but why would I want to miss out on your daughters? Because they want to hear this word as well. So what I'd like you to do, band, if you could come up. Band, hello. Right? Could you all stand? Oh, and I want us just to, I'm going to speak this blessing over you. It's going to come up on the screen. And what the Lord said to me is, as we speak, as I speak this blessing over you, waves of affirmation are going to just roll across this congregation. And many of you 
who have been waiting to hear that word of affirmation from a natural parent. Some of you, unfortunately, will never hear it because they are no longer with us. But God is with us. And our Heavenly Father wants to affirm you as a father and affirm you as a mother and affirm you as a son and affirm you as a daughter this morning. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want you just to hold out your hands and I'm going to speak this blessing over you. Musicians, feel free to do what you wish, but over you. And I want you to receive this in your heart. And if you've never heard that, well done. This morning, the Father wants to bless you. So here we go. My son, my daughter, I love you dearly. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not an accident or a mistake. You are my treasured possession, and I take great delight in you. I rejoice over you with singing, and I will quiet you with my love. I bless you with the healing of any wounds of rejection, neglect, and abuse that you have suffered. I will complete the work I have started in you in Christ. I bless you with overflowing peace, the peace that only the Prince of Peace can give, a peace beyond comprehension. I bless you with life, with fruitfulness, good fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. I bless you with success as you receive my abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. I bless you with health and strength of body, soul, and spirit. I bless you with overflowing prosperity, enabling you to be a blessing to others. I bless you with the spiritual influence as my son and daughter, whom I love and favor. I bless you with a depth of spiritual understanding and a close walk with your Lord. The word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. I give you my spirit, a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. I bless you with pure and edifying relationships in life. You have favor with God and people. I bless you with my everlasting abounding love. You will minister God's comforting grace to others. I bless you with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I bless you with my internal presence. I will never leave you or forsake you. And everybody said, Amen.